0: Today I'm gonna to talk about the expressions of worship and I'm titling the message today, response to the presence of God. Our response to the presence of God. I'm, I'm not a big online guy, but I do, do, I do Google a lot. You know, I enjoy doing that and it helps me a lot to get some information, but I found a post the other day I thought was really interesting. And the post was, these are the precious things that we forget. And the first one was, we forget to hold on to, to the memories that can be cherished later. You know, if you're at a point in your life right now, you're going back over certain memories, you know. If you're a grandfather or grandmother, you're going back over these memories of your grandchildren when they were little. I remember I used to take Hunter and, and Kate and Sarah to the Dollar General store every Saturday morning, you know. And we'd go down and we'd go in and Hunter and Sarah would get their gift real quickly. But Kate was always looking around, always shopping. And finally, I'd go and say, Kate, you got 10 minutes, you know? No, Kate, now you've got got five minutes. Now, Kate, you have two minutes, right? And she picks something out and be exasperated, and leave. So the next time we went, we got out of the car, we started toward the dollar store, and she reached up and took my hand, looked at me in the eye and said, Papa, don't rush me anymore. (laughs) And I thought, wow, okay, all right, little bossy thing, you know. But, uh, but anyway, uh, so we have those memories, right? The second thing that we forget is we forget to cherish life every single day. None of us know when our last day will be. But we know we need to cherish life every single day. Third thing is we often forget the good advice given to us by older, wiser people. If you'll just listen. They don't have to have a degree. They have lived a long time. They have a lot of experience. Grandmothers will tell you when you go to them and, and you're upset over something, they'll go, honey, it'll be all right. Because they've seen so much. They've seen so much and had so much experience. Had a good friend of mine who was a, an older deacon and, and I really liked him a lot. He had worked for the railroad for years. And I was in a church where I was young. I had a lot of vim, a lot of vigor, and I was really pushing that church and, and God blessed it, but I was doing some battles right? And so he came to me one day and he said, son, son, he said, can I give you some advice? I said, yes, sir. He said, you know, you're fighting some really hard battles right now. I said, yes, sir. He said, you know, a bulldog can whoop a skunk, but the fight's not worth it. (laughs) And I, I have never, ever, ever forgotten that. It is so true, right? It is so true. So sometimes we forget the impact of loved ones who have gone on. Loved ones who have gone on. I was reading about Bill Gates the other day. He's worth $129.4 billion. He's interviewed all the time by different people. And one of the interviewers asked him one day, after asking, what do you like to eat? You know, what's your favorite thing to do? Things like that. Asked him and said, what was the worst day of your life? He didn't refer to business. He didn't refer to anything else. He dropped his head, eyes glistening with tears, and he said, the day my mother died. The day my mother died. We have memories. We don't want to forget those memories. We want to hold on to those things. Those are the things that we don't want to forget. Well, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, there's a story here about something that Israel forgot. Something that was very, very, very important to them. Something that God gave them. It was something God said, you build this Ark of the Covenant. You do it with specific, specific directions. And when you do that, here's what you have to understand. When you do that, my presence will dwell in that place. And so the Ark of the Covenant was actually taken by the Philistines when Saul went to battle with them. And then then the Bible tells us that after seven months, they wanted to give that ark back. You know why? Because the presence of God was with it. The ark was placed in the temple of Dagon, which was one of their pagan gods. And the huge statue of Dagon, once they placed the ark there, it fell two times. The first time it fell, they picked it up, put it back in its place. The second time it fell, it shattered. And they thought, whoa, something's going on here. And then when they refused to take it back... 50,070 people died of a plague. And the Philistines decided, hey, we need to give this back. So they took it back to Israel and gave it to a man by the name of Abinadab. And it it dwelled in his house for a long time. And it was there, when they they really figured out how long the ark had been gone, it was there for about 20 years. And Israel had forgotten it. King David never forgot it. King David knew, and when he remembered the ark, he said, we're going after the ark of the covenant. So they go to Benadab's house. They put the ark on a, they put the ark on a cart. And when they put it on a cart and they're driving it back, the, the oxen began to stumble. And when the oxen began to stumble, the chest began to fall. When the chest began to fall, remember the name of Uzzah. Reached out and touched the chest to stabilize it and he died instantly he died instantly and so we're going to pick up the we're going to pick up the the message right there and talk about four responses four responses to the presence of god the first response is one man was careless with god's presence the word careless means not to give attention to not to give adequate attention to something. And wasn't Uzzah, Uzzah wasn't he, in, wasn't he innocent in this? I mean, he just wanted to stabilize the chest so the chest of God did not fall. I mean, why in the world was he killed instantly? There are two reasons why. Number one, first of all, the Ark of the Covenant was never to be been taken by a cart. It was to be taken by the priest and they would hold it up and they would march with the Ark of the Covenant. The second reason why is the Ark of the Covenant was never to have been touched. Numbers chapter 4 and verse 15 tells us that. Uzzah, as an Israelite, understood that. He knew that. But he reacted in such a way that he touched the Ark of the Covenant and he died. Because it was never supposed to be touched, God gave them that inst- those instructions. right? So when you look at this particular story, let me ask you a question. Do you think that God was a bully that wanted to throw his weight around? No. Here's the problem. The problem is God wanted to reach this nation who were very, very slow to grasp his, his nature and his, who he was and his holiness. And God said, I want you to understand, you cannot be careless with my holiness. You cannot be careless with that. The Bible is a book of progressive revelation. God began, God began with a very, very backward people. And He began to bring them along and bring them along through revelation after revelation after revelation until the ultimate revelation of His Son, Jesus Christ. So we look at God in the Old Testament and we go, well, He was bad. No, He wasn't. He was trying to teach them some things with some very hard lessons. So I have a question for us today. My question is, when the church comes together to worship, do we give sufficient sufficient attention to the very presence of God? Because God said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there in the midst of them. He is here this morning, folks. He is here. But are we giving sufficient attention to His presence? Second thing I notice is there was another man who responded carefully with the ark. Notice again what the Bible says. The Bible says in, in verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord after that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took a side to, took it a, took aside to the house of Obed-Edom. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed uh, Obed-Edom and all his household. When David heard about the blessings on Obed-Edom's household, David said, we need to go get that. We need to be blessed like that. And let me tell you something. It's really interesting when you look at it, because Obed-Edom was not careless with the Ark of the Covenant. He was careful with it. Can you just imagine him walking through his house and seeing the Ark of the Covenant there in a particular room and understanding that that represented the presence of God in his home? And he would walk through and he would look at and there would be a reverential awe in him because of the Ark of the Covenant. The presence of God was dwelling in his home. And because he was careful with that and because he understood that, the Bible says... He was majorly blessed. Anyone who gives careful attention to the Ark of the Covenant, to the very presence of God in their midst, is going to be blessed, folks. We are going to be blessed. So how how do we know that today? We don't have an Ark of the Covenant. We don't have that symbol in our church today. But you know some symbols we do have is we have the symbol of the cross. If you notice that the cross is on the wall, There's a cross outside. And here's the reason why. Because we want people to realize that the very presence of God came through the person of Jesus Christ. And when he died on that cross, he was God. He was God-man. And he was dying for our sin. And so when we think about Jesus, we think about his presence. His presence. Now, number number three, one man celebrated the presence of God. When David came to get the Ark of the Covenant, it's really interesting. Look Look at verse 13. And so it was when those bearing the Ark of the Lord, remember, see that? Those bearing the Ark of the Lord. Those bearing the Ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. What does that mean? It means forever entered Jerusalem, he had already made these great sacrifices to God. It was a time of celebration. It was a time of sacrifice. And verse, verse, 18, or verse 14 says, Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David took all the house of Israel and brought up the ark of the Lord, and with a shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. David danced before the Lord David danced before the Lord so interesting to see that when we look at expressions of worship today there are about nine different expressions there are first of all vocal expressions that are found in the Bible the first one is speaking Psalm 14 1 or 24 1 says the praise shall ever be on my lips his praise shall ever be on my lips and then there is a biblical uh, precedent for shouting. Because the Bible says in Psalm 47, 1, shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. Make a sound of the trumpet. Shout to the Lord. And the third thing you find under the vocal is singing. Singing like we did this morning. And there is Psalm chapter 4, verse 6, says, sing praises to the Lord. Sing praises to the Lord. The vocal way to worship. The vocal way to worship. When you're singing those songs with Tree and our team, when I'm singing those songs with Tree and our team, I'm acknowledging the very presence of God. The second way that we, that we can worship according to the Bible is our posture. And our posture. Uh, first of all, there's bowing. Uh, Psalm 95 verse 6. So come, let us bow down in worship. And then there is standing. Like when we say stand. We, I know all of us can't stand. When we say stand, standing is a, is a form of worship. Psalm 119, verse 120 says, I stand in awe of You, O God. And then dancing. Psalm 149, verse 3 says, Praise His name with the dance. I remember when we first started New Beginning, some of you were there, some of you weren't, or many of you weren't. We had a young lady in our church who was taking dance, and, and I remember she would get up and she would dance to the Lord. And then one time our granddaughter Sarah came and, and they did a they did a dance thing because she was part of a Christian dance team at that time. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful when the heart is in it. It's beautiful. And then there is the the part of that we do with our hands what do we do with our hands the Bible says that we play instruments with our hands Psalm 32 verse 2 and 3 praise the Lord with the instruments the second thing we do is clapping Psalm 47 verse 1 clap your hands all you people clap your hands and that's something that I'm not I'm just trying to encourage I'd love to see you guys get involved in that I mean really get involved in that. And then the third thing is lifting of hands. Psalm 33 verse 4, or 63 verse 4. In your name I will lift my hands. In your name I will lift my hands. You know, we look at different forms of worship and I know different churches do it a different way and I'm not being critical at all, not at all. But I read about a lady who was in a very conservative church. She was an older grandmother. And she was one of those people that was very expressive in worship. And sometimes when God moved her, she'd stand up, lift her hand, and say, praise the Lord. Praise and every woman would look around. No one in church was doing that. So they thought, what are we going to do with her? She's a founding member of this church. What are we going to do? I mean, she's getting so expressive now, it's almost disruptive. And so they thought, well, she's always complaining about being cold. So let's get her a nice blanket with the church's name on it. We'll get her a blanket and we'll give it to her and and, and let her just wrap up in church and everything. If she's wrapped up, she's not going to do that, right? (laughs) You know where I'm going with this. I mean, when when she began to feel the Spirit of the Lord, she jumped up through that blanket all and said, Praise the Lord anyway. Blanket or blanket? No blanket. Praise the Lord. So there's nothing wrong with certain expressions of worship, they're all biblical. Think about what we do in our, in our society today. When we, have a, when we have a wedding and the bride comes down the aisle, don't we all stand? Yeah. When there's an engagement period, doesn't a man get on his knees to ask someone to marry him? When, when, we're, when we're dancing, isn't that a dance of celebration, right? And when we're clapping, aren't we clapping at ball games all the time? People do it when they're sitting in their home watching a ball game. They go crazy. Right, and then when, when it comes to it comes to um, moving, moving, I and mean, we we're always doing those kind of things. We're moving, nothing's wrong with that. So First Corinthians chapter fourteen verse forty says, "All things should be done decently and in order." In other words, led by the Lord, led by the Lord. Well, the fourth thing I've noticed is this: there was a woman who criticized. David's expression of worship. Look with, look with me if you would in verse, verse 16. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. She was critical of him in her heart because of his expression of worship. Skip down to verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of those base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. She was being sarcastic. She was making fun of him. So David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father. And all his house to appoint me ruler over the house of over the house and people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this, and will humble my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Wow. So she said, Why did you do that? You embarrassed me. She was Saul's daughter for sure. And she was not the sister of Jonathan because Jonathan had a heart for David. But she was Saul's daughter. So the Bible says in verse 23, Therefore Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. No children to the day of her death. She was not blessed because she criticized true worship in the very presence of God. We have to be careful folks. We have to be careful that when people are under the leadership of God and they're feeling the presence of God that we do not, we do not criticize them for that. Okay. In 1936 the Queen Mary was the largest ship on the ocean and it traveled many many times across the ocean. On its last voyage it was turned into a hotel. It was docked at Long Beach, California. And so, when they were when they were constructing the hotel out of the ship, they took down those three large stacks on the ship, and they decided that what they would do is just redo those, refurbish those. Well, each time they took a stack down, it crumbled. It crumbled, all to pieces. When they found the cause of that, here's what they found: thirty years of paint have been painted over the rusting stacks on the ship 30 years of paint and what am i saying with that is this let us let us not in the presence of god just paint ourselves over and go yeah okay cuz all we're doing is painting over rusty hearts and i'm not trying to be critical I'm just trying to encourage us because worship, worship, true worship in the presence of God is so important. Think about it. Think about it. I mean, worship gives you His presence. Overwhelming, overpowerful. Worship gives you passion because once you experience Him, you have a fuel inside of you that can't come from anywhere else. No energy drink can give that to you. Nothing else can give that to you. Only his presence can do that for you. And when you worship, you get perspective. You have clarity, right? So let's worship. Let's respond to the presence of God.